Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. It is uh, fab to see you all here today. Thank you for braving the rain. It was lovely and sunny when I came out earlier and then I hugged some people and you're soaking wet so well done for braving the rain and uh, if it's your first time with us then a special welcome. It's just two weeks till Christmas, are we ready? No? Yes, some people, fabulous. Well we've been preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ in this series called The Gifts of Christmas and we're looking back at the first Christmas story and at the three different gifts that the Magi or the wise men brought to worship Jesus. So when you think about that first Christmas story, maybe a scene like this one comes to mind. It's got, some, it's got a Mary and a Joseph and a manger. It's probably got some, um, some animals. Normally there might be some shepherds in there. And uh, it's got three wise men. However you imagine the scene, the three wise men are nearly always there, aren't they? And those magi visited Jesus at some point in the first year or year or two of his life. Now, they could have been many more than three wise men. We don't actually know. All we know is that there were three gifts. And Matthew's gospel shows us this in chapter 2 and verses 10 to 11. This is how those early accounts capture this slice of history. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped Jesus. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that those are very unusual gifts to give to a baby. You might have thought of a baby grow. You might have brought him a little toy, maybe some muslins. But gold, frankincense and myrrh, a bit unusual. You've probably heard the joke, what would it have been if it had been three wise women? Well, they probably would have asked for directions rather than relying on a star. They would have arrived on time rather than in the first year or so. They would have probably brought a meal for Mary and something a little bit more practical than that. So perhaps that's just what you get when men go shopping for the gifts. Not saying anything about the shopping habits in our house, but actually it's far more significant than that. I don't know if you've ever received an unusual gift. I'm sure everyone's got their own story. Why don't you tell your story to somebody perhaps over the refreshments later? In our family, one year, we received a bag of Brazil nuts. Looked a bit like this. I think there was probably a bow at the top just to make the Brazil nuts look a little bit pretty. And um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I quite like Brazil nuts. Nice and crunchy, lovely and fresh. And we ate them over Christmas. They were delicious, thoroughly enjoyed them. In the new year, we chatted with the lady who had given us the Brazil nuts and we thanked her. And she said, well, you see, the thing is that I don't really like the nuts, but I do love the chocolate that comes around the nuts. And now you can get chocolate covered nuts. Did you know, like these are chocolate covered Brazil nuts. And this dear lady had carefully and meticulously sucked and licked all the chocolate off the Brazil nuts and they gave us the plain nuts. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, it makes my stomach turn just to think about it. We thoroughly enjoyed them, but whether we would have done at the time, obviously not. Anyway, that was the most unusual gift that we've ever been given. 
uh, if you've never tasted chocolate Brazil nuts, I actually think that they're quite delicious. Um, and I've got two bags here. So who's never tasted chocolate Brazil nuts? Anybody? <laughs> well, here's a bag for you then. Who else has never tasted chocolate Brazil? Olive. Can you go and give that bag to Olive over there? That's great. Thank you much. I hope you enjoy them. They're unadulterated, untouched, and they have certainly not been licked. <laughs> go figure. Back to the wise men. The wise men's gifts were not practical, but they were pointers. They were signs as to who Jesus was and what Jesus would do. They were gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I've given away some bags of chocolate nuts. Sadly, I don't have any bags of gold to give to you. Gold is fit for a king, and it showed that Jesus was coming as king. And uh, Jeff and Becky are going to be talking about the gift of gold at their service on Christmas Eve. Let's go back to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says this, The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's a king for sure. And that is why the wise men bowed down and worshipped him. So they brought gold, they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. And uh, there we go. I'm going to... Today, I want to talk about the gift of myrrh because it was a sign of what was to come. And the myrrh is the dark brown looking kind of resin on the right of our picture. Now, I didn't know this, but frankincense and myrrh were as, as expensive as gold. In fact, some people think they had greater value than gold. So these are, just, these are not just um, cheap gifts. These are expensive, rich gifts. The word myrrh comes from an Arabic word for bitter. If anybody wants to know what frankincense and myrrh actually smell like, come to me afterwards. I've got some little bottles of oils that are made with frankincense and myrrh that I was given as a Christmas gift a couple of years ago. And they smell beautiful, so come and find me. Myrrh was an antiseptic and a painkiller. In fact, it's still used um, for healing today. It was used for healing then and it's used for healing now. When people died, myrrh was often used to prepare their bodies for burial. Now, that is a very strange gift to give to a baby because it's associated with times of bitterness. So at the very moment that Mary and Joseph are celebrating the wonderful gift of a new baby, this gift is pointing ahead with themes of suffering and sorrow and death. In the first act of this story of Jesus, these gifts act as symbols or signs. They're pointing to what Jesus is going to do in his lifetime. But it only makes sense when we look at the entire story of Jesus. Long before Jesus' birth, many things were prophesied about how he would live, where he would be born, and then where he would die. You can find them all in the Bible. And I want us to look at an Old Testament passage from Isaiah that actually we've had read to us this morning. Isaiah was a prophet. He was speaking 700 years before Jesus was born. And his message makes sense of this gift of myrrh and of why Jesus came. Isaiah chapter 53 speaks of God's suffering servant who would face sorrow and even death, but through it all would bring healing. So speaking of Jesus, Isaiah says this, Surely he, that's Jesus, took up all of our pain and bore all our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the, and with the rich in his death. So Jesus came as a servant king to bring God's healing and forgiveness into our lives. Now let's talk about sheep for a minute. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away, it says. We've left God's path to follow our own. Now you can train a lot of animals, can't you? You can train a dog. You can train an elephant. Andrew and I have ridden on one of those. You can train some cats, I think. Some people can train cats. But it's really quite difficult to train a sheep. And it says all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's you, that's me. Sheep are weak and they wander off. They don't know the best way to go. Sheep tend to follow the crowd, and if one sheep does some dumb sheep stuff, then the other sheep tend to do dumb sheep stuff as well. This is a true story. In Turkey, in the year 2005, there we go, it's in the BBC News, 1,500 sheep followed each other off a cliff. That is a lot of sheep. You can just imagine it. I'm going for a walk. Sheep number one falls off the cliff. Sheep number two. Number three, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one. You'd think they might have thought, this is not a good plan. I'm backing off, but no, 1,500 sheep followed each other off a cliff. The bad news is that 400 of them died. The good news is that it was the first 400. The rest lived because the previous 400 created a cushion so that they landed, boing, boing, on the other dead sheep. Crazy, true story. We go our own way in life. We follow our own path, not God's. So when Isaiah calls us sheep, it really is not a compliment. Sheep wonder. Where are you going, little sheep? Oh, I don't know. I'm looking for something. I'm looking for happiness over here. I'm looking for a new pair of shoes. That'll make me feel better. Oh, if I have this experience, it'll be lovely. No, that hurt. Oh, and it hurts somebody else as well. That's what happens to sheep. What the prophet Isaiah is saying is, we need lots of help because we tend to go our own way, away from God's path, and we choose things that are not what God wants for us. So let's look again at what the Bible says in Isaiah 53. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own, and the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Now remember, this is 700 years before the birth of Christ that Isaiah was saying the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Isaiah is describing the cross, the cross of Christ. And Jesus knew that it was God's solution to our problem. So why did the cross happen? Why did Jesus have to die? It wasn't just a tragic turn of events. Jesus wasn't a victim. He voluntarily laid down his life. When he was on earth and during his earthly ministry, Jesus said this of himself. And we're talking about sheep again. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. See the connection in Jesus's words back to Isaiah. Speaking of himself, Jesus said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted by God. The cross was actually God's plan to rescue the world and to reach out to us. It was his plan to defeat darkness in all its forms and in all its power forever. And we see this really vivid descriptive phrase, the Lord laid on him 
the sins of us all. So what does that actually mean for us? What it means is that Jesus covered all the debts. All the things that needed to be put right or settled. Where we'd wronged others or we'd wronged God. At the cross, Jesus absorbed all the damage that we've done to others and all the damage that we've done to ourselves. The pain that we've caused and the pain that we carry. All that stuff was like darkness, potent darkness, that Jesus soaked up in his body and his soul on the cross. It was all laid on him. At the cross, Jesus absorbed into his pure life all of our faults, all of our failures, all of our darkness, and all of our pain. Now, the, the, the word myrrh, the gift of myrrh, crops up again at the cross. Because when Jesus was crucified, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh to take away the pain. And you can see that in Mark chapter 15. But Jesus rejected it because he chose to fully embrace the pain so that we could receive healing. Jesus took death so that we could know life. He was wounded, but we get restored. He took on bitterness, but we get the sweet experience of God's love in our lives. Let's look back at that passage from Isaiah again. Jesus was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way, but he was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Have you ever faced grief or sorrow or pain? Have you ever been mistreated or rejected? Jesus gets it. Jesus fully understands because he faced it too. Not only did he face it, but he carried it. We've been thinking about unusual gifts today, but really it is Jesus who gives us the most unusual gift. He gives us the gift of friendship with God. This is the Christmas story. What God has given in Jesus is an unusual gift. Now, some people sometimes ask, what's the difference between Christianity and religion? Well, it's the difference between two words, do and done. Religion is what we have to do to get to God. Christianity is about what God has done to reach out to us. God did for us on the cross what we could never have done for ourselves. Jesus came, he lived the perfect life that we could never live, and he died on the cross to pay our debt to God. Then he rose to bring us life. So all of us, like sheep, have wandered from God's best. We've gone our own path, but Jesus wants to walk with us on our path through life, to lead us and guide us. His plans for us are good. He wants to walk alongside us in good times and in the bitter times, in the bitter seasons of life. And through this Christmas story, Jesus shows God's love to us. He invites us to trust him and he invites us to follow him. Jesus brings the gift of friendship with God to each one of us. And that's God's unusual gift, a gift we don't deserve or earn. So as we reflect on the gift of Christmas, I'm reminded of the words um, in the Christmas carol that we sang earlier. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. I give my heart. So today, as we're thinking about Christmas and the gifts of Christmas, we can open up our hearts and our lives to Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. 
And because Jesus embraced death, we get to experience new life with God. Maybe you recognize that you've wandered off a little bit. Maybe you've wandered over here, pursuing something else. Maybe you've wandered over there. God's invitation is for us to get back on the path and let him walk with us. So as we conclude, I'm going to just read a simple prayer. And I'm going to give you the chance, if you'd like to, to echo the words of that prayer in your own heart. It might be that uh, this is a prayer that you would say for the first time or the thousandth time. But God promises to listen to us whenever we turn to him. So let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again so that I could live for you and with you. I'm sorry for all the times that I've gone my own way. I want to follow your path for my life and have you walk with me on that path. Jesus, come into my life. Lead me. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you that you hear my prayer. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.